Welcome to the Nerd Party. They can travel anywhere in time and space. Up we go into time and space. So all of time and all of space are sitting out there. Welcome to Time and Space, one married couple's adventure through the Doctor Who universe. I'm Jessica Nunn. And I'm her always new companion, Philip Gilfus. You do seem awfully shiny today. That's true. Is that a bald joke? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe it's a look how clean and white your teeth are joke. Did you think of that? No. Automatically went to the suggestion that I was being insulting, which I find quite insulting. Maybe I just need a little more foundation. I have too much shine. <laughs> yeah, a little blotting powder wouldn't yeah, go little, amiss. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's it. <laughs> so we've done a few Doctor Who things, but... <laughs> we have, I over guess, the course of our lifetimes. Well, in the past week. All but, right. you know, we are sort of, though, not to bring things down, here in the time and space household, we are getting ready for a hurricane. We are battening down the hatches, yes. So it's a little, a little on, on my mind, at least. I don't know about you, so... Um, even we're sort of in central North Carolina, and then we have friends and family out east, and so we'll see how things go. Yes, yeah. I think for us, we were just talking about the fact that we are less concerned about wind, although that's going to be not a whole heck of a lot of fun, and more concerned about the rain. Uh, living out in the middle of nowhere as we do, uh, we are... Whilst our house is in a field, we are surrounded by a lot of trees. Um, and when Floyd came through in, I don't know, 90-something, 95. I was in college, so. I, well, I was in college as well, so it must have been 99. It wouldn't have been that late, maybe. Am I thinking of Fran? Maybe oh, I'm thinking of Fran. You are. Yes. That's how many hurricanes we have in our lives. Yes, yes it is. Carolina. When Fran came through... Mm-hmm. We, 200 miles inland, lost about 100 trees on the property. So uh, we're expecting to lose power at any point. And once we've lost power, of course, we've lost internet and cell phone service. We'll have to charge up the laptop and get the Blu-rays going. And prepare to fight zombies as necessary. Exactly what to barter with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Philip says says they won't want the cat, so uh, we can't use that. So it's going to be exciting, and we'll let you know next week. If we survived. If we survived. Yes, I was going to say how we fared, but hey, you do you, boo. Mm -hmm. So we did get, or at least I got, some Doctor Who deliveries in the past week. One was that my Amy figure was getting a little lonely. Oh, yay! So I thought it was time for Rory to arrive. Yes. And now I can't even see where he is. But yes, we're very excited to have Rory join the family. Yeah, he's right over there on the second shelf. So yeah, that that was nice to get. And we got, of course, our Dr. Ninth book. That's right. Yes, our first New Who who Mr. Man. Let's know the year is ending. Yes. (laughs) But we did see that uh, it was announced that there will be a Dr. Thirteenth. Yes. Absolutely. So Something we're going to keep this going through January, That's yeah. Right. Uh, which I'm a big favor in favor of. 
Because then what are we going to do? Yeah. At that point, I mean, there's no point in even talking to each other, is there? When there are no Mr. Men books. Uh, let's figure out when the series 12 is coming out so we can have something to talk about. Yeah, no, so. I, I don't hold out high hopes, I'll be honest. Anything else Doctor Who-ish? Well, we we did try out the uh, Doctor Who board game oh, I yes. have, Time of the Daleks. Uh, it does require a little bit more table space than our poor coffee table pro- currently provides, but what did you think, Don? I quite enjoyed it. I thought it was very similar to a Star Trek game that we played uh, a few weeks ago at a friend's house, but I'm interested in learning more about it, and I suspect during the hurricane, if all the power goes <laughs> out, we can actually clear off the dining room table and maybe have a go at it. That would be cool. So yeah, so yeah, let us know any board games you're playing, Doctor Who or not. Absolutely, especially soon, yes. before we lose power, <laughs> so we don't have to sit and look at each other. Now, do I plug in Twitter so we can use it, or how does that work? <laughs> yeah, not, when we lose power? Yeah. yeah. We use the battery-operated Twitter. Mm-hmm. Now, we live so much in the country, I had to explain this to my boss today, because they were like, oh, you know, let us know. And I'm like, so you know, nope. if power goes out, <laughs> nope. I have no phone reception. I only get phone reception through the Wi-Fi, which if it goes out. So I'm like, if you don't hear from me, I'm most likely probably not dead. <laughs> I just yes. can't contact you. Yeah. I, and I told, I've got a rehearsal scheduled for Saturday. And, and right now we have kept it as is. That's foolish. Well, that was, that was what the actors agreed to. We agreed that if they canceled the set build on Saturday, we'd also cancel rehearsal. I said, otherwise, text me on Saturday. And if I don't reply within a half an hour, rehearsal's canceled. They're right. And assume that I'm still alive, though. <laughs> um, so, yeah, having having to make those sorts of... I'm going to have to call a friend of mine and be like, can you check on mom periodically since I'm not going to be able to? <laughs> you know, those sorts of things. So, cool. But we have snacks and beer, so uh, we're ready to go. Yeah. Let, let's do this I have an thing. art project. You have an art project. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and if we're feeling really bored, we may clean the house, but it'll have to be dire streets at that point. Oh, yeah. No, it, it, it'll have to be fifth or because sixth Because you do have a vacuum day. you can plug in, charge. It's already. It should already be charged. Yeah, so that's so, 20 minutes, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So we got 20 <clears throat> minutes of hoovering that one of us can do. And right. again, I assume it will be whichever one of us survives. Yes. All right. So we've begun our countdown to the arrival of the 13th Doctor. She's coming. In just over three weeks, Ah! we'll be enjoying Jodie Whittaker as the Doctor. So, we thought this was a good time to start thinking about beginnings. We'll be talking about the first ever episode of Doctor Who and how far we've come and where we're going. So, yeah, so we watched what's commonly called the Unearthly Child. You know, for for those in the know, this probably just sounds like I'm mansplaining but but it, it it actually doesn't really have a title per se because an unearthly child is the first episode but each episode has i mean each episode in the serial has a separate title so it's it's not so the serial itself because doesn't have it a title. sort of was you know and, and i'm not an expert i'd have to actually look start wikipedia first doctor but you know this is we hadn't certainly gotten to naming serials yet just mm. yeah, there's a bunch of episodes and they relate and then but one thing i do enjoy and this is sort of skipping to the last five seconds but one thing I do enjoy is sort of like, you know, in New Who will always have like the story ends and it'll be like coming next and then it'll show like the scenes. And this one it just the episode ends with the five seconds of the next episode. Yes. So you're sort of teasing, which I, you know, that's, I don't I'm I'm coming to th- trying to think, not that I'm an expert in 60s television, but that's unique I think. I don't think many shows would tease the next episode. 
I don't know. That, most of what I know about 60s television, I think, are going to be sitcoms and things like that. But even Star so. Trek, which I know is American, so maybe it's, I don't know, you know, it's different cultures at that time. We hadn't sort of all gotten together yet by the 70s or 80s in common culture, but... I mean, Star Trek didn't do that, so yeah, you know, oh, it's just. Yeah. So I thought that was an interesting, cool thing that I do like. Sometimes they continue, especially in classic. I remember, like the Second Doctor. There's one we watched out of order, but it's the one with um, where uh, Pat Trouton plays the two roles. Oh yes. At the yeah. end, they get sucked out, and then the next episode, which we saw, oh, I'm blanking on it. I can't remember if that's Tomb of the Cybermen, but anyway, it all connected together. But anyway. Okay. So, but anyway, so uh, but this was your first time watching this particular serial. I think it's my my second or third. Yes, at this point. although I had at least seen bits of it when you did rewatched it mm-hmm. once, so, so I was vaguely familiar. So we're going to start by talking about the Doctor. So introducing William Hartnell as the Doctor. So what did you think of the Doctor that was introduced to us for this brand new TV series coming to BBC? Yeah, it's an interesting choice and especially i mean having seen an adventure in space and time the docu or the dramatization of this yeah period yeah yeah like i say it's an interesting choice for what they were trying to do mm-hmm. i think because he's not particularly riveting or exciting no he's actually quite doddering and ponderous at times well it, he hates everyone and he hates everyone, <laughs> yes, and kind of mean. Yeah, yeah, that's um, it. That's particularly he's, to Ian. Yeah, he's, he's mean to everyone. You know, when you're sitting around thinking, hey, let's make a show that's appropriate for children, whether it was officially geared just towards children or if it was something that was supposed to be incredibly family-friendly, mm-hmm. this is not the guy I would have picked. I think there's one moment, and... For some reason, it was in my mind differently, but it only lasted a second. And so if you didn't see it, you you can be forgiven. It was either in the last episode or something. There's a portion when they're dealing with, and I can't remember the caveman names. I think it was Carl. That's not his name. I know, but it sounded like he was being called Carl. Carl, So we're going with Carl. Yeah, Carl the caveman. Um, Caveman, also spelled with a K. Um, (laughs) Wait, I wasn't spelling Carl with a K, sweetheart. (laughs) But when he was hurt from the whatever... Um, oh, that wasn't Carl. That was the other one. Was it? Yeah. Anyway, well, the Carl came... was the bad guy. Well, he was the bad guy. No, he was the good guy. He was the good leader. Carl was the interloper who uh, had come from another tribe. But he was ended up being the good leader. Anyway, it's when the caveman got injured by the animal and the woman was with him. And they were like, oh, we want to help him. We want to help him. And there was a point when the doctor picks up a rock. <laughs> Is John the Baptist moment, Presumably to bash in the caveman's head. Yeah, I mean, head. he was not a fan of helping out. Yeah. And Ian sort of like has this, what have you got in your hand? And the doctor's like, oh, well, I was, um, uh, well, thinking that we could, um, and that's like, that's the first doctor, yeah. folks. Yeah. Yeah. Not, like I said, I mean, not, that is not a bad thing about the show. I'm not mm-hmm. saying it's bad because i actually really enjoyed this and i know that sometimes i'm a little bit mean towards the old episodes um and i didn't feel that way about this one but looking back it's a weird choice it's a very weird choice and i'd be interested in the methodology that led to this choice because i mean sort of in the introduction in in adventure in space and time it's supposed to be this grandfatherly figure and i'm like wow grandfathers of britain must have sucked in the 60s. <laughs> yeah, they were terrible 
terrible we don't want to play with you. <laughs> you know, I was in the war. Go away. Yeah. You know, that, that's pretty much yeah. Um, and, oh, you don't believe me? Let me take you hostage. Yes, right. You're just the, the launch. Though it is funny. I mean, in a way, he's sort of using the, uh, the, the, the news or the logic, quote unquote logic we often see in, in, in uh, political news. It's like, well, that may be your opinion. I don't hear anyone. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he's just sort of like dancing on his feet for like 10 minutes trying to deny that there's a, a Susan's in the TARDIS or anything. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. Bless. I just happen to be wandering in this junkyard. You know? <laughs> I don't know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. Sad. Susan totally blows his cover in that one. Yeah. But yeah, he's, he's, he's pretty mean. Um, and then like, instead of letting him go, he, he, presses the travel button and Susan's like, no. And then, and yeah. then later on he's like, Oh, I feel really guilty about getting everybody in all this trouble. And Susan's like, no, it's not your fault. And I'm like, well, yeah, no, it really is. You go ahead and feel guilty a little bit about this. Mm-hmm. Cause that was stupid. But anyway, so yeah. Bless. What do you think what we saw that has stayed with all the doctors, anything that you sort of, and of course it is all retroactive in making this the same character, but anyway, I mean, obviously, the the why. Well, you know, I say wise. Wise, you know, and I hear wise often think nice. I don't know why. So I'm not going to say wise, but the very intelligent, which is sort of neutral. Yeah, very intelligent. uh, um, Well, because I think wise often suggests that you're sharing right information. He was certainly hoarding information. And yeah, he was not a sharing kind of grandpa. I mean, he's he's he is certainly seen to be an alien. Yes, that's he makes that very clear. And although he suggests different planet, different time, mm. which is interesting. Obviously, the companions mm-hmm. that stays. But with the Doctor himself. Yeah. <sighs> so, like, if Jody, for some reason, and not that I think she would, but you know, if she maybe is putting in a few classic coups, and she found upon this one anything she should take for her role. Thinking, nah, that's the, the hat. Doctor. Okay, I could get that. Yeah. Maybe a pipe. Oh, I mean, he doesn't, I've not seen him with a pipe. Does he have a uh, pipe? This was the only time, you know, because that's when he, that's when he got the caveman got him because he was smoking the pipe like, ah, oh, fire, and then smacked him over the head. Oh, right. Oh, no, I didn't remember that. No. That that makes sense and mm-hmm. is so weird. Yeah. Um, in so many different ways. <laughs> but uh, yes, yes, Jodie Whittaker with a pipe. That's uh, what I'd like to see, please. Thank I mean, you very much. One thing, and I, I mean, of course, we, we can talk about the companions in a moment, but he is sort of very, you know, steady as the helm. You know, there's mm-hmm. cavemen, there's rocks, there's caves of skull, and he's all like, okay, all right. Let's figure this Let's out. Let's figure this Let's, out. A calm. No reason to... Whatever. Yeah. Although, you d- it, that doesn't... I mean, I'm thinking about Matt Smith, who I don't often see as calm and collected. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, perhaps, you know, this this awareness of danger and not being afraid of it, I suppose... And I think the interesting thing that I sort of retroactively do with the first Doctor is that he is technically young. I mean, and that's a retroactive thing, but like, yeah. you know, he's a young Time Lord. This is his first incarnation. Certainly it's, he's older in this incarnation, but he's still, at least by Time Lord standards, and again, not that he's established himself as a Time Lord yet, he's young, so I can be a little more forgiving. This is the teenage yes. <laughs> Time yeah. Lord. Although, as you say... That hasn't really been established yeah. uh, because I am I'm guessing anyway that when they first started this series, was the they didn't think, yeah. "Oh, he's going to regenerate when he <laughs> turns out to be a bit of a bastard, and we have to get rid of him." 
uh, three or four seasons into this. So, and then one thing though. So as you say, you have to retroactively yeah. put that in place. And that's sort of my head canon, I guess. But anyway, yeah. Um, but it's also that it doesn't appear to be because, at least in this first go around serial, the Doctor's not very likable character i mean i guess you could do that guy at the end like oh he has a heart of gold or something but i don't know i did not get that at the end of this one no but i think then it seems that this isn't even though it's called doctor who that is an ensemble show yes and so maybe that's something we're looking for with the new series where you have three companions and the doctor you know is it you know in the new who and and even in classic who it's sort of the doctor's um show <laughs> yeah um you know sometimes some are stronger than others but it's certainly theirs but this one it was sort of like he is a character among many and so not that i don't want jody well, to be subsumed or anything but it'd be interesting to sort of go to the lessening the role to make it more ensemble and maybe that's part of why they were less concerned about making him particularly likable mm-hmm. because while doctor who is the catalyst mm-hmm. And therefore gets the namesake. This is really more. This is, as you say, more ensemble. The other characters are younger. That sort of thing. All right. Well, sorry, let's... we all got distracted by the cat. Yeah, trying to kick <laughs> it. So let's just talk a little thing. Introducing the TARDIS. Introducing the TARDIS. That's a police box. It is a police in box. In 1960. Three, presumably. Yep, yeah. Because that's when police boxes were. <laughs> we do get the mention by Susan when it lands in the caveman world. Why didn't it change? That's right. And we just, Though I do like, um, and this is a, a drama uh, aspect or directing of the 60s, which I think is very stage, not necessarily TV, when the doctor also comments, but it's behind him. He's sort of like, it hasn't changed. I'm like, it's, it's behind you. <laughs> Who are you talking to right now? (laughs) And how do you know? It's very sort of, you know, See, that's when it goes very panto and everybody's supposed to shout, it's behind you. That's that's the way all of that works. Um, But yeah, yeah, I sort of didn't belabor the point other than... I don't think they said. I don't think I heard the word chameleon circuit. But anyway, I think it, no, was, huh? it was supposed to change, you know. And then, yeah. And then I did think it was <laughs> one thing I've always found funny about the classic series is the doors because outside it's a police box and inside it's a TARDIS, but then the doors were open and you'll see the outside of the doors look like TARDIS doors, not police box doors. Whereas in the new series, they're pretty good about making sure it looks the, like the a door. The continuity, yeah. <laughs> well, and the yeah, the doors are very different. I mean, they sort of slide in the TARDIS and mm. things like that, and on the inside of the TARDIS. And there was a whole big key thing mm-hmm. this time that I thought was clunky. I bumped on it because mm-hmm. you really don't see. Of course, by the time you get to Matt Smith or or even David yeah. Tennant a little bit, they've learned how to click it open. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, the key was a major thing, and it stays that way because when Susan leaves, um, or when the Doctor leaves Susan, she drops her key. Yeah. But I thought the, the TARDIS interior was interesting. I mean, it's clearly a set. I mean, obviously they all they all are sets. None of them are real TARDISes. But anyway, but it, I mean, it clearly showed like I could feel like this is a stage set with like you know four points of space. Um, the way it was sort of laid out, it was just catty, you know, catty cornered it. But anyway, but it is still interesting that they did create this sort of what it looked like in the interior. You know, it had the big console, but they sort of made it a, a big open room. Mm-hmm. Um, it was sort of a little more cramped than maybe future Doctor Who's are, where the control rooms feel a little bit more smaller. But this one's sort of just like a living room with a big console in the middle. Yeah. And, you know, a hat rack or something. You know, that's about it. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, and apparently a drinks cabinet. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Because they mentioned that in the Peter Capaldi film, Christmas film. <laughs> Twice upon a time. Uh, thank you. Mm. Um, yeah. No. Obviously, Ian and Barbara are startled to come into the space of the TARDIS, but I don't think anybody ever actually says it's bigger on the inside. inside. No, yeah, I think. Um, yeah, so that was a disappointment. <laughs> but I think, you know, as you say, the 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 basics of the TARDIS are now set. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the, the middle console. Um, That's true. Although the television moves. That's true, yeah. Um, because it's on the one scanner. of the walls. Yeah, yeah, it's on one of the walls mm-hmm. of the TARDIS. Um, at least now it stays that way through most of Old Who, doesn't it? Yeah, and then I do like how the... Uh, they're a little more, uh, you know, it reminds me of most pilots of, uh, not this is a, you know, I mean, they didn't call it a pilot back then, but like most pilots were there, very technical and slow, and we want to see show that we're doing the work, and then after that they don't care anymore. So they was like, oh, we've landed. Let's check the oxygen. Let's check the radiation. And all right, is it safe to go out? And then, like, Of course, that's really, I, I think that that's also a bit of a tease. Mm-hmm. Because it sets it up for in the very last episode when they land in the next place, and he's like, "Check the the radiation, mm-hmm. Susan," and we're like, "Oh yes, that's a thing they do every mm-hmm. time." And she's like, "No, it's normal." And then as they turn their back, the radiation thing rises. So I think that's also a little bit of a plant mm-hmm. for for later on. But yeah, and then also the the first takeoff of the TARDIS that we see, where then it goes into the title sequence again, and I thought we had actually hit the reset button. Because um, the titles play, except for the music, it reminds me. And I don't think you've seen it. It is on my list of things to wa- watch again with you, or to watch for the first time with you. Is Battlestar Galactica the new? Well, I say new. It's old at this point. But the second iteration of Battlestar Galactica. I remember the first time they ever jumped the jump engines in, the, in that series. It's like, oh, this is really big, and there's sort of a camera. I don't know how you describe this camera, but sort of like the way things look like they're getting smaller. Even though, I mean. It's the same thing, but just that perspective is like sort of feels like it's going like this, where things are coming in. That's like that's the jump, and then after that, the, every other episode, like yeah, we're just jumping stuff. Yeah, <laughs> we're not going to do that again. Yeah, um, and there was something else. It may come back. To well, me. I did like the TARDIS that a jaunty angle went and arrived in the past there. Oh uh, yes, sort of like burp. yeah. <laughs> I remember what it was. It's the whoosh whoosh whoosh, uh-huh. uh, which becomes a staple. Oh, the sound, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, that's that's exactly the same sound that it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's something that stays and gives us some consistency and makes us feel warm and fuzzy. Even though we know now, and every time I hear it now, I'm like, it's not supposed to make that noise. Take the break off. But never mind. Never I like mind. the noise. <laughs> um, so introducing companions. We have school teachers Ian and Barbara, of course, and granddaughter Susan. Um, so what 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 do they sort of start the traditions of companionness? Um, so I think it's interesting because you sort of have two sets. With Susan, she knows what's going on, which is not normally the, the companion role. And, yes. But then you have Barbara and Ian who don't know what's going on, and they have to ask all the questions. And I'll be honest, I liked Susan through most of this one mm-hmm. because she's clearly so smart. Mm-hmm. And they show flashbacks of her being very clever, and she's doing... And I think that this was such a great opportunity to keep that going, and they do not. not. Yeah, uh, and she was actually she having becomes... the conflict about how human she's kind of become, being on Earth so long, and she was almost saying she'd rather stay on Earth than, than be taken away. And, 
but in the meantime doing all these physics equations and saying, no, you can't complete this problem because you're not using time and space, the fourth and fifth dimensions, and, and all of those sorts of things. And you think, oh, this is an opportunity, and she ends up being a damsel in distress. Although, that oftentimes becomes a theme with the companions. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm looking at you, Perry. Technically, this title is about her, and an earthly child refers to Susan. Mm. And so, and yet, it's really not that much about Susan in the end. So, yeah, but I would, I would have liked them to have kept that. Would have been really interesting, if if the Doctor himself were just this sort of daughtery thing in yeah. the background, almost like a Peter Cushing. Yes, <laughs> and Susan ran the show. Uh-huh. I, I just think that would have been a really interesting, like in the Peter Cushing universe. <laughs> no. Only when Susan's with that guy with the limb, <laughs> and she's having to take care of him and say, "Shut up, I got this." Right. Um, and I thought we agreed, darling. Never to mention it again. Never to mention it again. <laughs> you are breaking the rules. Breaking the rules. And then you've also got the teachers who are relatively clever as well. Mm-hmm. Um, although they really should have reported Susan to the welfare office rather than following her home. But that's neither here nor there. Right. Well, and I thought it was interesting writing um, that they had Ian and Barbara take two perspectives. Ian's was the extreme skeptic, and Barbara was the, I'm allowing that this could be true. And they sort of had the little debate with them. And then Ian looks like an idiot. Um, anyway. <laughs> no. And he slips on a banana peel. Uh, um. <laughs> you promised. <laughs> and I think, again, if the companion is supposed to be the audience, mm-hmm. which so often he or she is, or they are, right. this was a perfect example of it. Some of them going, no, I'm not buying this. And other people going, ah, I'm willing to see. So I thought that, that that's a nice little dichotomy there and an allowance for a variety of audience reaction and there was a little bit of interesting push pull about who's in control is it the doctor or ian you know who's the leader of the group i don't even think it was a little bit of push pull. <laughs> well, yeah. i mean i feel like there was a whole lot of alpha maleness going on here but it was interesting at the end and i forget how it, i think someone asked who's the chief of your tribe or you know and he's like ian's like oh it's, it's him and yeah. i think it's Ian just allowing like i'll, I'll go to the old guy something yeah. Yeah. And again, you know, if they had played all of it out with the doctor just being a catalyst, it would have been a completely different show. Mm-hmm. But with Ian playing the alpha male part. He's sort of the commander record to the captain. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Um, and you know how I feel about your Star Trek metaphors, darling. <laughs> that would have been an interesting. And Susan being. I, I, I don't know in terms of Star Trek. Oh, I, I, if you want me to continue. It, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I wasn't. Troy, if you want to no, no. <laughs> Wesley? Because, She's the Wesley? No, definitely not Wesley. Stop talking! Oh, maybe the Data. Data, okay. The the one with all of the practical knowledge, mm-hmm. but not always Useful. the yeah. humanness yes. of it. So, yeah, that sort of, that would have been a very different Doctor Who. Yeah, because one thing that Susan does that she continues to do, unfortunately, is the hysterical teenager. And then one thing I saw, because she doesn't actually do it, not that I'm a first Doctor expert, but I feel she often doesn't, is Barbara went a little too hysterical in this serial. It's a little sad to see, because she's usually, you know, she can be distraught at times, but she usually does do the breaking down and screaming that she does in this episode. Mm. I got carry on, I can't carry on, you know, and so... 
He yeah. has to be there, there, dear, and puts the kettle on and all that. <laughs> yes, um, in, in the cave of skulls. That's right. I'll put the kettle on. Um, yes, and and I'm I don't know you you would think with a female showrunner because that's ultimately what Verity yeah, was sure. at that point, right? We'll do that. Yeah, that perhaps she would have wanted to lead it in a different direction. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, I mean, because I think as it goes on, I mean, I think Barbara is, she just has that moment. I mean, it's just uncharacteristic, mm-hmm. I think. And maybe it's not uncharacteristic. Yeah, but let's be honest. A few weeks later, she is stealing jewelry off dead mummies <laughs> and trying to take over the world, yo. Women, am I right? Right? So still not, you know, again, you've got the Look, if alphaness. they ask you if you're a god... You always say you are. <laughs> yeah. You've got the alphaness of it, mm-hmm. but yeah, still the opportunity to be able to, to sit on your couch and go, women, am I right? <laughs> and high five your buddy. Because um, I always think it is there's an interesting contrast between Barbara and Susan. And you could obviously say it's age, but I think, you know, if you're looking at female characters, you know, Susan often doesn't live up to what she could be. But then you look like, oh, so you're saying like, oh, they all write female characters bad during that time. But you're like, no, Barbara is actually comparatively i mean she's an adult and maybe that's just what she is but she's pretty you know has her blank together so yeah relatively level-headed and i think we see that you know in the dalek one that we watched two weeks ago Mm -hmm. now um she really does have it together she's got a lot going on she's plowing down daleks with she's plowing down daleks with fire engines she is taking the wheelchair guys plans Mm -hmm. the professor professor's plans and using them as a bit of a bait and switch so all you know you're absolutely right she does have more togetherness than than susan and i wouldn't go so far as to say none of the female characters we're getting a little off pissed here so i apologize that none of the female characters in classic who are well not even like a blanket you know i just uh, meant this this group this group yes But a lot of times, and again, Perry, I'm looking at you, and then when they try to write strong female characters, then you end up with Layla? Layla? Leela. Leela. I was thinking, La La, Layla, I was doing all sorts of owls here. Leela, who is a great, but is also a stereotype. Yeah, well, I was listening to the Verity podcast, and they were doing their strong women character series. Um, which they called the uh, kicky stabby women. Oh uh, yes, yeah. And, and their point was um, obvious. I mean, if you're not familiar with the Verity podcast, it's an all woman uh, podcast team. Depot talking about Doctor Who, but there was like you know when people are writing, or usually men, of course, but when they're writing strong female characters, they end up sort of going overboard in sort of a Leela or even a set. Like you don't necessarily have yes. to be. Not that they're not that either. Of those are bad characters, of course, in my opinion. No. Um, I think we was a little more one note than Ace's. I think Ace is a little more interesting, but I like them both. But that you, you can do that without being, by you know the, the kick ass. You know, and this is other sci fi properties do the same thing. Whether it's Firefly off the top of my head, or even Deep Space Nine with Major Kira, um, but and other ones. You know, they can sort of just have. It's just not just between like a a, a no action female and uh or a woman and all action you know there's a there's a middle space where you yes, can be there yeah and... you don't have to be the person who trips on a blade of grass mm-hmm. and you also don't have to be the person who has killed a man before <laughs> exactly so um, yeah. yes and 
maybe it takes people a while to you know we're in the middle in the 60s we're we're in in the the revolution yeah yeah and so and that's one thing they had talked about whether the 60s women were almost better than the 70s women sort of the revolution maybe sort of step back and anyway but that was it was an interesting discussion if you don't listen to verity podcast give them a listen onto their series yeah so now let's just talk about briefly or, or sort of generally about the story itself so this sort of sets up your first adventure. You know, mm-hmm. this is maybe how things are going to be in the Doctor Who serial. You know, this is the first episode, kind of is how you want to set your tone. And um, what did this 10,000 BC adventure kind of presage for Doctor Who stories? Well, I, I sort technically of... Technically a history, but this is my thing. And you can tell me what you thought. I was I going the, to, but you interrupt. The first couple times I've watched this, I always thought... This is Caveman Earth. But when I watched this time, I noticed the doctor, when he was telling Ian on the scanner, like, an alien world or a strange world. I'm like, well, that means it's not Earth then. He also said, no, I don't hear a female voice. So I'm not sure necessarily that he's been established as a reliable narrative here. Although you could be right. But did you think you were on Earth or not? I am not 100% sure, if I'm honest. I, I was on Earth... In the same way that I think about the land before time, mm-hmm. or you know something like that, um, so it it didn't it wasn't something that bumped for me either mm-hmm. way. I do think looking at this one, which whether it was Earth or not, is still prehistoric. Right. So you've got the history for whatever. But also the leading into the next one, which, of course, is the Dalek story, the first Dalek story. Uh, so I think the combination of the two, you've got the history and you've got the new planets. And I think that they, they made that choice really nicely. Mm-hmm. It, it was a good setup of these are the two things that we do. Um, yeah, because I would like to see some more histories. Because I think they sort of stopped... The first Doctor sort of stopped... I mean, it stopped with the first Doctor. I can't really think of, like, two, three... Well, a little bit in three. I saw the, in that... Well, how do they the end up with... The first Sarah Jane, when she went back to the castles in medieval time. Yeah. But, you know, how do they end up with Jamie? Jamie? Because he's... He the Highlands. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So they must have done a history one. And what about the one that's with Leela? Well, Leela that's not Earth, Nissa? That's Earth future. Nissa? Who's the Victorian one? Oh, Victoria? No, no, no. Um, Nissa or Tegan? No, Nissa? no, they're none of them. But anyway. Uh, well, of course, I don't know. There's a few of them. Victorian one, there's... Um, I think it's the second Doctor. Anyway, but yes, I know what you're trying to say, though. Um, of course, so, the, it's also... You might make me think of the Eighth Doctor companion we've heard on Big Finish. Oh, I'm not, but I know who you're yes. talking about. Charlie. Yes, so anyway. Uh, but anyway. Charlotte. Anyway. Yeah, anyway. But anyway, anyway. But anyway, yeah, it was. It, but it was interesting, sort of like you know how they interfere or don't. Of course, this is sort of accidental getting involved with the culture. Mm. It's just because the first doctor gets kidnapped. Yeah, because it's not how the doctor gets kidnapped. It's usually the companion, but you know he gets kidnapped, and so that's again, of... it was it was a brave <laughs> new world out there, baby. Yeah, and so how much they chose to interfere or not interfere was 
sort of interesting. The, you know. Well, the and doctor that didn't was, really set any rules, you know? No, but the doctor did seem to be much more about the prime directive mm. in this particular one. You know, he didn't initially want to give them fire or, yeah. and those sorts of things. So, But then desperate times called for desperate measures. Well, yeah. I could give you fire if you take me to my TARDIS. Yeah. It's also, <laughs> I mean, it's just fire. How much yeah. harm could they do with it? <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, you know, I would say... It's probably not the most engaging story for a pilot, and there's a lot of pilots, of course, that aren't get that engaging. The uh, second episode was dull as dishwater. Mm-hmm. It was you, bad. You were not into the internal politics of the Zod. I was really <laughs> not even a little bit into the internal politics of Carl and her or she. Uh, it was one of those, and yeah, the other guy, and yeah, no, it, it it slowed down a lot. But a lot of times, at least in these first few that happens in the second episode Mm -hmm. is that it's an expository episode um and i don't enjoy it Uh, but i think overall as a concept boy it was out there wasn't it Mm -hmm. yeah and you got to give them kudos for that how when did star trek premiere 68 and this one was 63 63 so this is when kennedy shot remember Oh, yes, of course. Right. I'd forgotten about that. You know. I mean, he was a president. <laughs> no, I hadn't forgotten no. that Kennedy. Oh, darling, you're terrible. <laughs> I think it, it was ahead of its time. Yeah. Kudos to them. You go, Verity. <laughs> All right. Well, in sticking with these new beginnings, we're going to go into the TARDIS library. So, once again, we are jumping forward in the TARDIS library to come into the very first new Who, the rebirth like a phoenix rising from the ashes. Or a TV movie. So, yes, Doctor Who came again. And this was in... (laughs) The 26th of March, 2005, Ninth Doctor. This one is called Rose. So, yes, Rose... The synopsis from Tardis.Wikia is, Rose Tyler believes she is living another day of her ordinary life, but after being threatened by Autons, controlled by the nesting consciousness, she meets the Ninth Doctor. Dun, dun, dun. So I think it's interesting, or something I noticed, that it's not true all the time. Often, I think companions' first episodes have their name in it. So, an unearthly child is Susan. Rose is Rose. Smith and Jones introduces Martha. Runaway Bride is Donna. So, and then, um, I don't know. So it doesn't always work, but I just feel like. <laughs> okay. I'll have to, uh, to keep an eye out for that. Mm-hmm. Although, theoretically, the first episode revolves almost exclusively around the new companion. So that sort of makes sense. Um, the girl who waited. Yeah, but it wasn't called that. That was. Yeah, I don't know what it was called. Yeah, what it, was it called? It was the eleventh hour. Oh, well, that's not helpful at all. No. Uh, so no, your theory <laughs> is stupid. So the woman who fell from Earth. I'm trying to remember the new episode title. Yes, yeah, yeah. I assume that's probably about Mandip's character, and not. <laughs> I would assume so. Yes, um, it's not going to be about the thirteenth Doctor at all, at all. But anyway, so Rose, yeah. So this was uh, interesting to watch again, of course. Doctor Who being introduced or reintroduced uh, to the 21st century, um, mm. since it had been so many years since the TV movie and several decades since 
Sylvester McCoy signed off with the Seventh Doctor. So, yeah, what, what did you think? I know you've watched it before, but but sort of having seen the First Doctor and now seeing the Ninth, what did you sort of think of, in your mind, of reintroducing Doctor Who? Um, well, they did something quite similar, which is not show the Doctor first off. Mm-hmm. You know, they start off with Rose living her ordinary life in the same way that the first one started off with Ian and... Barbara discussing a problem child. Right. So um, I quite liked that. Uh, sort of established us straight away into regular old England. <laughs> Nothing to see here. Regular old high street. I want to say, where is that shop? Because that showed like Nelson's column a lot. I didn't realize there were a lot of like shops right there. Yeah, maybe for a little bit further <laughs> down. But yeah. 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 <clears throat> okay. So, yeah. I, I I like it. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought it was interesting. One thing I thought about because I was making the outline about the TARDIS, I'm like, I think this is the most I've ever seen the TARDIS travel in one episode. Because he was like, he often travels, you know, in time and space in an episode, you know. But this is like in a city block. It was like the Doctor was over here in London, then he was over here in London, then he was over here in London, then he was over here. I was like, man, he's putting some miles on it for this one. Yeah, they'll settle that down. <laughs> yeah. um. But, uh, yeah, introduction of Jackie as well. Mm-hmm. Um, then we sort of get the uh, an, a classic villain, the Altons. Absolutely, yes. Yep. Although I always forget that they're a thing, mm-hmm. to be honest, uh, until they show back up and their little hands open up. And I'm like, oh, yeah, those guys. But one thing I thought was interesting with this episode is when the Altons were shooting their handguns. Yeah. I'm like, aren't they killing people? Because I feel like they're being very light about this whole thing, <laughs> you know. But that yeah. tends to be, I mean, anytime we have these big alien invasions, mm-hmm. we do sort of gloss over the fact that people, lots of people die. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're not people with names, That's so true. it's fine. That's right. We're moving on. Yeah. <laughs> Extra number one. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> oh, red shirts. Nah, whatevs. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, I thought the, the doctor was interesting because, you know, he's in, introducing himself with Rose and he's sort of uh, reluctant to give any information for for their first couple of meetings. I think the word Time Lord is mentioned actually by the plastic. I don't think he actually ever says it. I think it's sort of one thing you sort of hear time. I mean, of course, we know at this point. but Rose He's also does a it. little bit gruff. Right. Much in the way of the first doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it kind of, I had forgotten this aspect where he sort of doesn't care about Mickey and kind of reminds me a little bit of 12 in some ways. You know, 12 will dismiss, you know, I'm on a yeah. bigger mission. It doesn't, you know, I don't have time for names. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I didn't realize that sort of coldness of nine was there. The brusqueness. Not mm-hmm. necessarily, I don't know how if it's cold or if it's just... And of course, preoccupied. And one thing I never thought about before, and I think it depends what your headcanon is. How long has the ninth bo- doctor been the ninth doctor at this point? Because he does look in the mirror and it's like, oh, the ears. And so it sort of suggests a recent regeneration. Mm-hmm. But you can take it or leave it. He could just be looking in the mirror and making these comments. You don't know. So I'm like, has he had any other companions? Like, has that ever been explored? Whether Rose is literally his first companion or not. Well, and it's a tough thing to explore because, of course, Christopher Eccleston hasn't come back to do any big finish, mm-hmm. you know, places where it could be explored. And if so, if 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 or if not, if he is in a new regeneration, it does not last very long, <laughs> it yo. It does not. But I also thought that, you know, the, the whole thing about the Doctor, at least that we sort of established in New Who, 
is that when he doesn't have a companion, he can kind of drift a little bit, and so maybe that's why he's being a little brusque. brusque and, yeah, 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 fair enough. He doesn't have the the human or or companion around. The yeah, I can get behind that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was an interesting reveal with the TARDIS. You know, because it's old hat, I suppose, at this point. But it is, it's like, yeah, yeah I could, they had their moment of, you know, the whole, like, they don't show it right away when she walks in, and then they show it. And I never realized how much the Ninth Doctor desktop uh, does sort of go back to classic era, because it sort of has the holes. They're not mm-hmm. round circles, but they're sort of reminiscent of the holes there. So even Well, and I think an effort to tie things back, and of course, you say old hat, but in 2005, right. it was... Either really, really old hat or new hat. Right. You know, so I think it was inevitable. I was going to say an inevitability, Mm -hmm. uh, but I wasn't sure I could say it. But look, I can. That they were going to have this big reveal of the inside of the TARDIS because people who have never seen it before are going to be completely wowed by it and you want to build up that suspense. People who have seen it before in Old Who know what's coming and Mm -hmm. have their own sense of suspense. But they also haven't seen this version. Right, right. That's what I mean. Uh, So they have this sense of suspense in terms of, you know, ooh, what is it going to look like? And I do like, and I'd have to watch back to a class or ladder classic who but like rose has no idea what a police box is <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> why does it say police public which box? is legitimate <laughs> it is legitimate mm-hmm. that is a fair concern <laughs> she's also a little dim mm-hmm. but not in a weird helpless way no, which no, is nice no. but yeah she's rose isn't the brightest bulb i mean they still establish that she saves the doctor mm-hmm. in this episode so they're sort of giving her some qualities oh um, yeah absolutely just intelligence, like stark maths and science intelligence. No, no, no not no, there. No. Uh, she's got a lot of great qualities. I love Rose. I'm not mm-hmm. being disparaging at all. Though I think they had to use Mickey as the foils as being like compared to yeah, <laughs> compared to Ricky Mickey, she's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> oh, poor guy. Yeah, but again, they do this very working class people mm-hmm. kind of thing in a way that I can't think well except maybe Ace right Ace. Um, but even she had run away and was on another planet when the doctor found her mm-hmm. um, Rose is proper she works in a shop she's blue collar I did like the sort of we don't always get it, sort of the real life consequences because like you know she meets the doctor he blows up her shop and the next day she's like, well, I guess I don't have a job. Um, yes, yeah. Have to go look for a new job now. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, sort of a common commoner in a way that I don't think we had seen really before. And it was interesting, not that I've memorized the TV movie, but if you can somewhat recall the end, I can't remember her name, that's terrible. Grace? I think Grace is her name. Grace sounds right. Yeah. Um, she refuses the TARDIS trip. And this one, we almost get the head... I mean, he's like, I didn't know it was coming. But, like, you almost get the, the head fake where, like, Rose is like, no. And he's like... And then he comes back, like, by the way, did I say it's a time machine? And she's like, okay. Yeah. So. Which is actually a little bit the way Martha does it as well, isn't it? Okay. I, f- I feel like there's a scene and the doctor has shown up and they're at the pub and there's Martha and her mom and her dad and her dad's girlfriend and... Mm-hmm. 
I feel like that's a thing. After the moon stuff, obviously. Right. And then Martha's like, no, I don't know. But we'll go back and figure that out. Sure. Cool. Yeah. So, so now that we've seen the first Doctor introducing the very first Doctor Who and the ninth Doctor introducing Who again to a, a new era, now we're going to see 13 and new showrunner. I mean, you know, it's just still in the, the era of new Who, so it's just not a radical departure by mm. any means, but nevertheless. But it is a bit of a house cleaning, and I was trying to think about... And in some ways, just to interrupt for a second, you know, from Davies to Moffat was a smooth transition because Moffat wrote for Davies. Yeah. You know, and I don't think they necessarily cleared house, as you said. No, we don't mean that in a negative way, but this, this is a clearing of house. I don't think... I wonder how many people are on the crew still. I mean, like, I feel like this, I mean, maybe it's the same crew as far as that. But I think it is, you know, new writers, new, I mean, this is a lot of new stuff. Yes. Yeah. And also, I was trying to think. Not that Chris, again, hasn't written for Doctor Who himself, but anyway. (laughs) You interrupt me all the time, darling. Um, I was trying to think about the switching up. So when David Tennant comes in, he keeps Rose. Right. And then. Matt comes in without a companion. That's new showrunner. Yeah. New showrunner. So no companion. New doctor, new companion. And then Clara takes Peter Capaldi through. And so that sort of fresh start um, and the excitement behind it and and where it's going to go. And apparently Chris Chibnall has already sent out a list of things that we're, that we're doing. definitely not going to see. Although then there's also been rumors that Billy Piper is in talks to come back. Mm-hmm. So whether or not she'll do that in the first season, uh, I don't know that there's room in the TARDIS for mm-hmm. her. Uh, maybe in the library with the swimming pool. Um, although it would be great. I'd love to see, especially I'd love to see how they're going to possibly bring her back without David Tennant. Yeah, human doctor. Um, or, you know, yeah, in what form. But, um, so yeah, it'll be interesting. We've got a lot of new things happening, particularly in the first season. I'm looking forward to, because it sounds like, and I can only read the tea leaves, that Chris is all about, this is going to be new, it's episodic, you don't have to know what's going on. Which means he has to introduce a lot in that first episode, because he is going to treat his audience, I suppose, these aren't longtime fans per se, though I know he knows that it's obviously there, but he wants to make it open for everyone, so he's going to have to play a little, this is what a TARDIS is, this is what a Doctor is, this is what a Time Lord is, so, you know, so, which is good, it's just, you know, you only have to do a line or two, or it can be mysterious as both the first and ninth Doctor were in their introductions. Yes, I suspect it's going to be a lot of Bradley Walsh going, cool. That's what I, that, that is my prediction. Awesome. Well, as we continue our countdown, we'll have a new topic that we'll think of because we only have a few left before we start ending this Series 1 run of Time and Space and starting our Series 2. And we go on Yatus. Yeah, we go on Yatus. So, well, where can folks talk to you, darling, about new beginnings of Doctor Who? They can come talk to me at One Phoenix Theater on the Tweet-er. Right, and they can find me at NC Public Servant, and they can also listen to me each and every week talking about Star Trek with people who want to listen to it um, <laughs> on City Alpha Three. <laughs> well, until next week, darling, you're my favorite person to have new beginnings with in all of time and space. Oh, that's sweet. 
a brace for the hurricane. Brace for the hurricane. This is BBC Television.